Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day, fathers, grandfathers, maybe great-grandfathers, maybe even great-great-grandfathers. I don't know. My grandmother's still living. She's 99. She's a great-great-grandmother, so I don't want to exclude anybody. I don't probably have to go three greats, but anyway, good morning and happy Father's Day to you. You know, I also want to say I realize that not all of us still have our fathers in our lives today. Uh, Some of us due to the death of our father, others of us due to broken relationships. And I don't want to be a downer, but I don't want to ignore the facts either. And so um, we all have a heavenly father and he's kind and consistent and gracious to us all and we can celebrate him today. So happy Father's Day to each of you. Well, you know what? Last week, Pastor Doug said he, did, he wasn't ready to leave 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So we're going to stay for another week, okay? Uh, we're going to stay right here. And while I'm going to be directing much of the application of, of text this morning to fathers, I want to remind you that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to all the believers in, second, or in, in the church at Thessalonica, not just dads. So keep that in mind. This is for all of us, even though I'm directing some of it or much of it to dads today. So as I've been praying and preparing this over this past week, I've just been praying that God would use his word and his spirit and his people to be a help and encouragement to all of us today. I'm just gonna start by saying, uh, we sang a few minutes ago, let your word be louder than my fears. I want to tell you personally, those words have never meant more to me today than right this moment. (laughs) It's quite an honor and also very humbling to get to deliver God's word to you today, and I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity. So since we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you haven't already, go ahead and grab your Bible open there. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the uh, seat back in front of you. Grab one of those. You can find 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 on page 986 in that Bible. And I'll just go ahead and tell you that if you don't have a Bible and you want one, you take that one with you today, okay? A few weeks ago, on Mother's Day, Pastor Cody masterfully reminded you mothers from God's word of what mothers do. And then also gave you hope and encouragement from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, where it says, you'll reap if you don't give up. And this morning, I want to stick with that theme for the few minutes that I have with you and from the text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, just point out a few things the Apostle Paul says that fathers do. Before we start into the text, I just want to remind you, I certainly don't have the whole fathering thing all figured out, and I'm not an expert at it. I do have kids, and uh, don't look too close, but uh, just like... Jesus reminded us in Matthew 7, uh, I'm certainly paying attention to the log in my own eye this morning, and I'm preaching to the preacher as well. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We've already looked at these verses together, but I just want to refresh them in your mind. You follow along. I'm going to start reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. For you remember, brothers, you remember, sisters, our labor and toil, We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses and God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, 
we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Pastor Doug elaborated on these verses last week and specifically these words that we're going to look at together. And all I really want to do is now put them in the context and apply them to us as fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers today. As examples, and I want to call to your memory or or to, to point out to you that the Apostle Paul wrote these things and he said, like a father, and then gave us these examples, as an example to all of us in the church. So this is for all of us. It just so happens that Paul said like fathers, and so we're gonna look at that in that context this morning. First of all, in verse 11, look at it, and it says, for you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you. So the first thing I'll call out this morning is what Paul says here. Fathers exhort. Pastor Doug reminded us that this is the concept in the word exhort of calling someone alongside you for the purpose of speaking into them or building into them, teaching them. I would even say mentoring or coaching them. Dads, Paul says like fathers do this. I'm just pointing out this morning, be purposed at this. Be intentional. Don't miss opportunities in everyday life to draw your children alongside you and use the stuff of everyday life to teach them to encourage them, to mentor them, to build into them. Lindsay read for us earlier in the service the verses from Deuteronomy chapter six where it talks about when you lie down and when you rise up, when you walk, bind them on your doorposts and the gates of your house. In other words, in everything of life, look for opportunities. What's Pastor Doug been telling us the past couple of weeks? All of life is ministry. All of life is ministry. Dads, look at it that way with your kids as well. Look back in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 there in verse 11. It says, not only does it say he exhorted, but it says he exhorted each one of you. Dads, know your kids individually. Go to school on them. Study them. Know their natural tendencies and inclinations and tailor how you build into them, draw them alongside and teach and mentor them in the way that speaks to them most appropriately. Uh, Paul, just a few minutes ago, mentioned the verse in Proverbs 22.6 where it says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Very common verse. We know that verse. Very literally in in the Hebrew, it means train up a child in his way very specific many Bible commentaries believe that this implies that as we teach and train and coach and mentor every each individual one of our children in the context of that child's character and capacity their learning will bear fruit throughout their life and become second nature so it's a natural result that they won't depart from them when they're older So then lastly, exhorting also does include discipline and correction. Hebrews 12 speaks to that, and I won't have you turn there, but I'll just point out a few things. It says in Hebrews 12, starting verse seven, for what son is there whom his father doesn't discipline? In other words, scripture kind of sets the baseline. It's expected. We should be disciplining and correcting our children. We have earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. 
They disciplined us for a short time as seems best to them, and then it compares God's discipline to all of us as believers. God disciplines us for us for our good that we may share in his holiness. And then finally, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Dads, I understand that correction and discipline isn't the most pleasant part of fathering, but it's biblical. And I would encourage you, do it with consistency and who in here, which father in here doesn't want his child to be trained by the peaceful fruit of right and, and attain the peaceful fruit of righteousness by being trained by instruction and discipline. So number one, fathers exhort and do it individually. Number two, it goes on in the text in verse 11. For you know how like a father with his children we exhorted each one of you and then encouraged you. In addition to what we understand of this word encourage to mean, uh, it also includes the concept of comforting and consoling your children. Uh, Paul is kind of doubly communicating because the word exhort also has the idea of doing all of that that we just talked about in exhorting, bringing them alongside and doing it in an encouraging way. And now he's actually using the very word encourage. It's kind of a repetition, so we need to pay attention to that. To better understand really what Paul's driving after, turn one page back to Colossians. And again, this is another letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, same guy, and if you look at chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 21, he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. It's the negative side of that. Well, you know what? We won't turn there, but in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul wrote nearly identical words to the church in Ephesus when he said, Fathers, don't provoke your kids to anger, but bring them up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. So he gives us some positive sides of that too. Time doesn't fully permit for me to really unpack all of what it means to uh, not provoke your children. But suffice to say that in the context of Colossians chapter three and the preceding verses, he's talking about fathers don't misuse your God-given authority over your kids because that results in them being discouraged. Last week, Pastor Doug mentioned to us that uh, fathers in the culture, when the Apostle Paul wrote these t- this text, fathers had a tendency to be harsh or hard with their children. Dads, I just want to say, don't be that way with your kids. Again, look at our Heavenly Father. Is that how He is with us? No, He's long-suffering and patient and gentle. That's how we ought to pattern our fatherhood with our kids. Apostle Paul, up in, uh, back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, farther up in the, in the chapter, just look at, at verse 7. Paul says, he and Silas and Timothy, they were gentle with the people at Thessalonica. In verse 8, they'd become very dear to them. In verse 9, they didn't want to be a burden to any of them. None of, in, in any of that, is there a hint of harsh or hard. So dad's, if your tendency is to be strict and hard and rigid with your kids, I'm just loving you enough to say back off on that this morning. 
okay? I'm not saying don't discipline with consistency, but I am saying that can be done with gentleness. You know, now that Denise and I are empty nesters, um, if, and we're not parenting in this instruction and discipline kind of way anymore, uh, if I could have a do-over on at least one thing, it would be that I wish I would have extended more grace to my kids. You know, frankly, um, it was not the major defiance of my parental authority that I made it out to be when Kirsten wouldn't eat her green beans at dinner. And I'm a little bit ashamed that I made the big deal out of it that I did. So dad, I only, dads, I only tell you that. Just ease off a little. Pray that God would give you discernment about which of those things are, are worth going to the mat for and which things you just need to demonstrate how Jesus and our Heavenly Father deals with us, and that's with grace. Amen. Well, to move on quickly, just to be practical, what's the opposite then of discouragement as it's mentioned in Colossians 3 there where he says don't, don't provoke your kids because that results in discouragement. Well, I'll just give you three quick things that I would submit are wrapped up in the opposite of discouragement. Number one, dads, be hopeful. Constantly be giving your kids hope. Not hope in themselves or their own sufficiencies or abilities, but hope in God and in the fact that he keeps his promises. Pastor James McDonald has a, a definition of faith, and he says, faith is believing God's word and acting on it no matter how I feel. And here's the kicker, knowing God promises a good result. Dads, teach that to your kids. Teach that God's word is trustworthy, and you can lean heavy into that, and he'll keep his word. That builds hope. Second thing, be happy. Okay, dads, you don't always have to, I heard one pastor say, be sucking persimmons through a funnel. Don't have a negative disposition. Um, Be a happy dad. Take responsibility for, Paul said this earlier too, creating a tone in your home that's happy and safe and secure and enjoyable. It's fun. Take responsibility for that. Don't abdicate it. Of course it takes both mother and father to raise kids. But dads are the special focus of what it talks about in in Ephesians 6.4 where Paul said, don't provoke, but instruct. Dads were the special focus there and take a leading role in that. It's a natural extension of what we see in Ephesians 5. Again, Paul wrote that as well. He said, fathers are the head of of the wife as Jesus is the head of the church. It's a natural extension, dad, that you need to take a leading role in that. Dads should take the initiative to make sure plans and processes and people are in place to build a vision of God and truth and holiness into their kids. And wrapped up in that is creating a happy, fun environment in your home. So then a third element for being an encouraging dad I would submit to you is instill confidence and courage in your kids. Joshua 1.9 says it better than I can. Let me just read that to you. Moses said to the children of Israel, have I not commanded you? Be strong, courageous. Don't be frightened, don't be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Dads, build that into your kids. Help them know repetitively over and over that they hear you say, God's trustworthy, he'll be with me. I can have confidence in God, not in my own abilities. So then quickly, uh, a third thing. First of all, fathers exhort, fathers encourage, 
Now let's read that whole verse. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and then charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. That word charge, the Greek has the idea of testifying as a witness. Tell what you see. Affirm it to be true. Dads, think about that in the context of your kids. It's the idea of projecting a vision for your kids before they're able to see it themselves of how God's going to use them and will use them for his glory. Affirm them. I mentioned a couple, just a couple minutes ago, this is not self-confidence. It's God-confidence. It's affirming in them that they can do more than they think they can on their own. Help them realize their full potential for how God will use them for his glory. In fact, listen to how the Apostle Paul did this with the believers in Thessalonica in his second letter to them. Second Thessalonians chapter two. You can turn over there because it's just a page or two. Second Thessalonians chapter two and uh, look at verse 13. I hear the rustling of the leaves. I'll wait till you get there. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13. Apostle Paul says to the believers at Thessalonica, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in truth. To this end, he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us either by our spoken word or by our letter. The Apostle Paul was affirming those believers that they had been called to walk. What's walk? All of life is ministry. It's our entire life walk. Those believers have been called to walk in a manner worthy of God. Fathers, I encourage you, be on display to the world and certainly first and foremost to your kids and family as an example of what it looks like to be a man following hard after Jesus. As it relates to your kids, stretch them to go and do more than they think they're capable of. Go ahead, give your kids goals, objectives, challenges to go after. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's examples of how the patriarchs, before they died, would make it a practice of calling in their children and giving them a special blessing It was a big deal. It was them affirming their children before they passed on from the earth. There was a couple very specific things that are involved in an Old Testament blessing. I'll just call them out to you, but I'd submit maybe dads, make this a personal Bible study uh, sometime. It's it's fascinating and very practical stuff. But here's some elements that were involved in in an affirmation or a blessing to the kids. First of all, it was a big deal. It wasn't just a thing in passing. They planned and prepared and prayed over this. Secondly, fathers verbalized to their kids that affirmation and blessing. And they did it in the presence of people who loved them and cared for them. Another thing, they infused them, and this one's really important, they infused their kids with an expectation that God had a special future and use for them. Oh, dads, that is an incredible opportunity that you have to infuse into your kids the belief and expectation 
that God will use them in special ways for his glory. And then finally, they reassured their kids of that parent's commitment to them. Dads, make sure your, you, your kids know that you're in their corner, observing them, cheering them on, coaching them, mentoring them, encouraging, projecting a life of God using them. Regardless of their eventual vocation or occupation, remember, all of life is ministry. So summary then, from here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we see what fathers do, at least in this verse from the Apostle Paul. Fathers exhort, fathers encourage, fathers charge, or another way to say that is to affirm. I'm not suggesting this morning that these are the only things that we see in Scripture that God calls us fathers to do. For example, um, dads are really high priority. Another thing that you should be doing is loving your wife well and do it in full display with your kids. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Another thing, there isn't anything more important than a, that a dad can do than to be redeemed, to be a new man in Christ whose hope and happiness and confidence is in God and not himself. Most important question a father can ask is, not what should I teach my kids? What am I becoming before God in front of my kids? Well, fathers, we are the picture of how our children will see our Heavenly Father. I don't necessarily like that because I know my own weaknesses and tendencies, but it's true. Listen to what John Piper says about this. I believe all human fatherhood should be patterned on the divine fatherhood. The overarching guide for every father should be to live in such a way that his children can see what God the Father is like. They ought to see in their human father a reflection, albeit imperfect, of the heavenly father in his strength and tenderness, in his wrath and mercy, in his exaltation and condescension, in his surpassing wisdom and patient guidance. The task of every human father is to be for his children an image of the Father in heaven. And dads, we're also to be a picture to our church family of what it looks like for a church to be exhorting, encouraging, charging or affirming others of us in our church family. That's the context of when Paul wrote these, these words in 1 Thessalonians chapter two. So come on guys, let's not let our church family down. Let's work hard to show them what it looks like for all of life to be ministry. I am not suggesting any of this is easy. In fact, it's not. It's hard work. But at the same time, that's why we have to rely on God for his help, seek forgiveness from our kids as often as necessary, and then work hard with God's help to be humble and live disciplined lives. Well, Ephesians 6.2 says, honor your father and mother. And I'm gonna finish this morning with just a very brief personal tribute to my own dad. Maybe. Noah William Woods 
I feel like I've always lived in the shadow of my father. Though he never attained great earthly status, and now I've lived nearly 10 years longer than he did before he died, and I've been blessed with so many more life experiences than he had. Yet I still believe he was a much greater man than I am. He loved God and taught me too. He loved my mom and showed me how to love Denise, even though he never had the chance to meet her. He set a high standard in our home for excellence and integrity and heritage. And so it just happens that today is the 37th anniversary of my dad's death. It wasn't Father's Day, but on June 18, 1980, my dad entered God's presence. He was only 44, I was only 16. You know, the older I get, (laughs) the shorter 16 becomes to me. I think I have socks that are older than 16. (laughs) Anyway, in God's gracious sovereignty in those brief years that I had my dad, I observed and experienced and retained enough of his exhorting and encouraging and affirming to embrace his faith as my faith and to commit my life for living for the same Savior that my dad trusted and then to pass that on to my kids, Kurt and Kirsten, and now to influence my daughter-in-law, Emily, and certainly my grandsons, William and Matthew. So today I'm grateful for and honor my earthly father and I pray that my life continues to honor and be spent for my heavenly father. God, thank you that you are the perfect heavenly father that's trustworthy and I pray today, God, that you would use your word and that your spirit would be strong at work in every single individual one of us today to know what you want us to do with what we've heard and put it into practice in our lives. Thank you for Jesus, the opportunity now that we have to celebrate his sacrifice for us through communion. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.